This is Inside Berkeley. I'm Brian Paris, and in this episode, we're talking with Emily Baker, a dual major in performance and music therapy in her seventh semester. Focusing on the five-string fiddle, Baker was part of the inaugural crop of players in what's been dubbed the Berkeley Instant Strings, through which she nabbed performances over the last few months at the respective Newport Folk and Freshgrass Festivals, performing with the likes of Aoife O'Donovan and Margot Price. Her road to Berkeley took a few unexpected turns with a detour in the 9-to-5 office world along the way that led her to take a risk and dive deep back into her love of music. Emily, welcome to Inside Berkeley. Thank you for having me, Brian. No problem. Uh, so you are had a, a, a busy past few months here. You were at the Newport Folk Festival this past summer, and you also got to play Fresh Grass uh, in North Adams, which is really exciting. Uh, how's it feel? How's it been going? It's been so crazy. I never thought in a million years that I'd be able to do what I did this past summer. So it's it's been a crazy ride, for sure. Is this, is this a, uh, a festival first for you, being able to perform and... Being able to perform, yes, it was my first experience. Um, it was my ex- first experience performing at a big festival like this. Um, I've done a little bit of teaching at some string camps and other festivals, but I've never actually performed. So this was pretty exciting for me. Cool. Any, anything in particular that you've taken away from, from either of them? When I was at Fresh Grass... Um, I got a text from Aoife, and I I didn't have service. So I ran up like a couple hours later when I was done with a a set with Daryl Anger and Emmy Phelps. Um, I ran up to her, and I was like, hey, like, I just got your text now. And she remembered my name, my full name. She remembered all of our names from like a month or two prior at Newport, which was really cool. I was just like, how many people do you meet a day? And it was pretty awesome that she was like, Emily Baker. And (laughs) it was really cool. Um, Things, other things I've taken away are, I think... This this summer and being able to perform at these festivals, it was a confirmation of my decision to come back to school. Yeah. Um, because I have moments where I'm like, did I do the right thing? Yeah. <laughs> Am I go- I'm going to be a starving artist or something. And I, you know, I was from the corporate world. So it's a very big difference between these two these two worlds. But um, getting to perform at these festivals, it was like... A confirmation of you made the right choice going back to school and going to Berkeley, so that was really it was a nice feeling to yeah, have. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's great, that's huge, and I want to come back to that definitely and get a little bit more of that story. Yeah, um, but before that too, so these festivals came about through. Uh, what's been called the Berkeley Instant Strings. And I, mm-hmm. As far as I know, this is sort of the first iteration, or you're part of this this first group. Which the concept is that you're a string quartet, kind of up for hire uh, on a moment's notice, kind of. I I think I've heard it described as, you know, when you've left your string section at home with your wallet and keys, you know, so it's artists can can kind of give you some, you know, some lead sheets or some songs and in a quick turnaround be able to be on stage at a festival and and perform that way. How did you get involved with uh, something like this? I got uh, got a text from Joe Walsh probably two months before Newport, asking me if I was interested in a project like this. And I was like, uh, yeah, of course, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sign me up. So 
it pretty much just unfolded organically through over the course of the next couple months before Newport came. Cool. So it was quick. So it was very quick. Yeah. yeah. And I know that you you have a minor in the American Roots program. Yes. So is is that partly how you got connected or I think so. I'm not actually sure. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm I've gotten pretty close with Joe and Daryl over the past two years and they've gotten to know my playing. So I think it was they were kind of brainstorming like who in the string part uh, string department who who in the string department would be a good fit for a project like this? Like someone that can improv, but someone that also is comfortable reading music. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I was one of those people, which was fun. Cool. Yeah, and that and that sort of kind of naturally goes into your background, which you had a classical background, is that right? Mm -hmm. And did that for, for a number of years and then sort of decided to to take a, a different route and go away from music or at least professionally. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that transition happened, what that process was like, and, and ultimately kind of what brought you back. Well, so uh, I stopped playing. I, I studied classical viola at a very small Christian college on the North Shore called Gordon College. And I was studying privately with an NEC faculty member through their music program. And I just wasn't feeling it. I was having a really hard, you know, I was an 18-year-old kid. It was my freshman year. And by the end of the year, I just knew it wasn't for me. The classical world for it wasn't for me. And I was convinced that being a professional musician wasn't for me. So I left Gordon and I got an office support certificate at a community college. That took like nine months. Mm -hmm. And then I just went right into working full time. I got like a summer internship to be someone's executive assistant or something like that. And um, then it kind of it grew into a full time position. And I was ended up most recently working for the design team for Sperry Top Cider, which oh, is cool. a shoe company. Wow. And they're located, I think now they're located in Waltham, but they've been in Lexington, Mass for mm -hmm. years, um, which was great. I learned so many, so many business skills, communication skills that yeah. I wouldn't have been able to learn anywhere else. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to learn any of those things in school, a school setting. Um, so... I'm really it some sometimes I'm like, oh my my road to Berkeley is so bizarre and non-traditional and I might feel a little insecure about that sometimes because I'm you know I'm a 28 year old um, and but then I have moments where I'm reminded like, you're a really good communicator. Like you're really <laughs> good at like s replying to that email and like you know stuff that, I think I was lacking in a lot of musicians. So I ended up being in the business world for almost six years. And within the last year or two, um, I, my best friend of almost 10 years, she died in a car accident. And I started writing songs on the guitar. I hadn't touched my viola in three years. So I started writing songs on the guitar. Um, and then I ended up meeting, through a series of strange events, I ended up meeting a bunch of the Mumford & Sons guys. Hmm. 
So I became friends with a couple of their crew who are all located in Nashville, and I ended up going down to Nashville a bunch and learning. Bring I started to bring my violin, my mm-hmm. old violin from when I was in middle school. I started bringing that to Ma- Nashville with me and learning fiddle music. Mm-hmm. Um, f- uh, I think my first lesson with fiddle music was with Ross Holmes, who... It was the fiddler for Mumford and Sons for three or four years, and now he's um, playing with Bruce Hornsby. Wow. Um, and it just kind of unfolded in this very strange way with me starting to write songs and also thinking more about folk music and bluegrass and what it was, and it was just this really bizarre concept to me. Um, but I completely fell in love with the music, with bluegrass and old-time fiddling and how it's a social, communal music. Yeah. And coming from a classical world that's so cutthroat and so competitive, it was this, like, it was like candy. It was <laughs> like, oh, I, I can be part of this, I can be a part of this music, but also be happy at the same time. Right, yeah. <laughs> So um, then I started thinking, well, I don't have my bachelor's. I'm in the Northeast. Having your bachelor's is is important. Why don't I apply to Berkeley? Because I'm in Cambridge. I might as well. And I applied, and I got a decent scholarship. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm leaving the corporate world, and I'm going to do this. And... It was definitely the greatest decision. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I'm curious. Is there a moment? I mean, was there a moment where, where you realized? Because I'm sure you were thinking about it for a while and be like, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool? And then was there a moment where you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm actually I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to, you know, put my stapler away or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Not that you were stapling. But <laughs> sometimes I was yeah, right. making those copies. Yeah. Um, Yes. I had two weeks in between. Like, I I made sure that I had two weeks off before school started. So my last week working for Sperry was the first week of August in 2014. And for those two weeks, while I was getting ready, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm not at work. Like, Mm -hmm. I've been at work from nine to five for almost six years and now I'm not at work and I'm Mm -hmm. free. I was definitely freaking out a little bit. But as soon as I walked onto campus for orientation, I remember that was when I was like, this was right. Mm. This was, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It sounds like there was never really, like once it started to get put into motion, it doesn't seem like there was much like back and forth, like maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. It was just kind of like, I need to, I just sort of need to make the steps to do it. But at every point it seemed confirmed. Yeah, totally. It was, it was pretty fast the way it all came about as as far as like me applying, getting accepted and receiving the scholarship that all kind of happened in the span of like eight months where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this. This is what I'm going to do. Um, But it also helped that I have such supportive parents. Mm -hmm. They're both classical musicians. And so they were super excited. They were like, oh, I think this is is the thing that (sighs) she's been waiting to do. Because, you know, working in an office, as 
administrative assistant for as long as I was, you start to question like, man, like I'm getting really tired planning other people's travel. Mm -hmm. And I've just felt like I was planning other people's lives. And and I have a deep heart for the community and doing community work. So that also is my, you know, I'm doing music therapy too. So I'm really getting the best of both worlds now. Yeah, that's that's it's it's cool, and I and I'd love to learn to more. So you're a dual major in yes. performance, and so that's that's clearly going really well. Yes. Um, recently too, I'd love to hear a bit about kind of your thoughts as to you know choosing music therapy and and who you've been working with and and how, how that experience has been going. Yeah. Um, the music therapy faculty here are pretty incredible. I was actually just watching a film documentary last night about um, music therapy in general. And one of my teachers was in it doing her thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh my gosh, there's Donna Chadwick. Like, that's my teacher. (laughs) And it was from the 90s. So it's like, the music therapy world is definitely very small, but it's just growing and growing. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming more available through insurance and through all of the research that's being done. It's scientifically proven that music is a great therapeutic tool. Um, But when I got here years ago, I had been thinking about music therapy and it just kind of like fell, felt apart. Like I, I, I forgot about it and, and all of the fiddling and root stuff was why I came here. And then I was like, I, I heard about the music therapy program here when I got here and I was like, wait a second, like, why don't I just do both? <laughs> like, what? There's no reason why I can't do both. And it's just, it's going to be a little crazier. It's going to be a little harder because I'm going to be a double major, but I can handle it, you know. So um, I was accepted into the program. They were really excited with my application, just with my history. Um, and it's just the the practicum and hands-on experience that you get is really incredible. I was, this past summer, I was doing a site visit once a week at McLean Hospital, which is a psychiatric hospital. And the experiences that I got there were irreplaceable, for sure. So it's been another crazy ride. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. You said you said there's no reason why I can't do both, and I immediately thought that's that seems like a good title for yeah (laughs) for life right now. Anyway, it's it's like classic, and then you know, or classical training, and then mix that with improvisation and fiddle, and you know, coming from an office world and combining that with the artist world. It just seems like you're taking these things that normally people kind of separate and it's kind of this dualistic thing, and we're like. Oh no, there's no reason why I can't do that. Yeah. And so kind it's, of performing performance and Yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, when I'm in a session um with clients doing music therapy stuff, it it's very, very different than performing. Very, very different because you have non uh, the you have goals for your patients and they're all non musical goals. Uh, but the confidence that I gain performing, you know, at like Cantab Lounge on a Tuesday night, I get confidence from that 
And then it'll transfer over to when I'm really nervous for a session. I'm like, oh, we're going to do like lyric substitution. I'm really bad at lyrics. But I'm still confident of the the skills that I've been getting over time through the past couple years from both performance and music therapy. Cool. So, yeah. Nice. So, so with all that stuff kind of put together, what what's what's next for you? I mean, you, you've got some gigs planned or recordings or yeah. just just what's next in general? Yeah. Well, I'm hoping in the next year to come out with an EP. I'm very hoping for that. Um, I have right now. I play once a month at Cantab Lounge every fourth Tuesday, um, and that's at eight thirty. But Yes, that's at 8.30. And I play with Kathleen Parks from Twisted Pine. And um, we're called the stay-at-home dads. Awesome. We have, like, all our buddies in the background backing us up in the nice. rhythm section. So we have a lot of it's – yeah. a, it's a casual group right now, but we have a lot of fun. It's great. Um, more long-term, as far as what's coming up after I graduate, I have to finish my internship uh, for music therapy, and I have no idea – where that's going to go. I'm still kind of figuring out the specifics for that. Um, but the general idea is to be able to do both equally. Yeah. Um, I really want to do music therapy three days a week and then be performing and gigging on the weekends yeah. and doing my own original music and bluegrass and old-time fiddling. It's just way too much fun to to not. Right, <laughs> so. right. Yeah, and, and people people really love bluegrass. It's just too funny. Yeah. Yeah, it, it attracts a lot of people. So that's what I'm hoping for. Great. Well, I mean, if, if this was 10 years ago, like, you know, maybe it would have been harder. To, that would have been a tall order to try to combine those things. But it sounds like yeah. everything has sort of come together to kind of create this kind of unique cocktail for you. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, thanks so much for being here. I'd love to take us out on one of the songs that Emily played on a Newport Folk Festival with Margot Price, a cover of Mark Fredson's How the Mighty Have Fallen. This episode was engineered by Andres Gonzalez. I'm Brian Paris, and this is Inside Berkeley. Inside Berkeley.